say, Kevin, I don't know if you've heard, but no one reads anymore, <laughs> which means no one's waiting on our words or our works. No mm -hmm. one's throwing big book release parties anymore. Has anyone gotten filthy rich as a writer since J.K. Rowling? Hollywood is unimaginative and not exactly dying for original ideas. And journalism is a shell of its former self. All that to say, why do we bother? Hmm. Well, I know I started because I had the dream to be what you just described. Um, quote unquote successful. Um, I'd always wanted to go into a bookstore like Borders, which coincidentally is no longer in business. <laughs> <laughs> wow, and very appropriate. Go into Borders and see my book on the shelf. Um, but of course, that was twelve years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. So now that I have a career, I have my own job that I like. Um that dream of being the self-sustaining author is not long, no longer like a, a goal, I would say. It'd be awesome, but um, I'm not putting all my eggs in that basket, you know, so. Right. I've asked myself that question too. Like if my goals shift, then why am I still writing, you know? Um, I think, I don't want to just jump it right now but like um i think there's always that idea that you don't there's always more to learn right you know um when i started writing i had that goal of being the author right but i didn't know all the ins and outs of writing uh much less marketing and all that shit um but then when i started learning how to write um i realized first you gotta find your voice and then there's so many different like styles of writing there's genres there's um links like short stories or poems and novels and you know odysseys and stuff like that There's just so much to learn you know and as i kept writing through the years i'm like man it's never going to end like the, mm -hmm. the knowledge um so i think that's what i write for it's interesting yeah i i was the same as you wanting to be an author like our, our, our how do you say it self-sustaining fiction mm -hmm. author that's what I wanted to, and I've told you before about how I was a journalism major first in college, and then I realized that I wasn't going to make a lot of money doing that, and I was going to be doing a type of writing that I didn't really want to do. And so I just kind of gave up, uh, especially once I got into oil and gas, but I guess it was about 11, 12 years ago or so, I'd, I'd gotten into blogging and... I enjoyed that, you know, the, the writing part, but I just kind of gave it up because I said that it was conflicting with my oil and gas career. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't think I could do that. Now I know what a mistake that was because there's no downside to being a better writer, even if you're not making, you know, even if that's not how you're making your money, it can still be a way that you make more money um, and that it can make you just appear better at your job and all that kind of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. better at giving proposals, presentations and all that. But, <clears throat> you know, now well, you and I both have jobs now where writing is a big part of what we do. And so I just kind of look at it all as writing kind of like what you were saying about how you can learn um, so much the biggest takeaway for me has been seeing how different types of writing overlap where we, you know, again, this conversation we've had plenty of times about you look at, like you look at minimalist writing, which we're both fans of. Well, that's pretty ideal for like copywriting or technical writing. I mean, copywriting, you, you may want to be a little more, I don't know if flowery is the right word, but at yeah, the same time, word. same time, shorter is better. You know, so you look at those similarities and, and what you can take from one. And so I think for me, I've come to realize that I just want to be able to primarily write for a living, even if that means marketing, technical writing, whatever, because it's still so much more creative than anything else I've gotten to do 
up to this point. Mm-hmm. And I realized how much I enjoyed that. And like, I don't think there's any shame in being like, well, I'm not a self-sustaining fiction author mm-hmm. because I just think, um, I think it's kind of silly to limit yourself on what your definition of being a working writer is. So it actually makes me happy to think that I could have a chance to be um, a successful writer in some other venue. Right. You know, it's actually really inspiring for me right now. You know what it is too? I, early on, you already know the story, but um, wrote my novel and I pretty solid idea of what my voice was. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's when I ventured into the marketing aspect and the business side of it. And I don't like that shit at all, dude. It's yeah. having to like research all of the different publications and agents, writing all the query letters and cover letters. And then <clears throat> each person wants a specific thing. One person wants the first chapter. One person just wants a one page synopsis. Yeah. Doing all that shit. It's, I don't know, like, that's when I really realized that what I love the most is writing. And um, I don't want to say like it showed me how I wasn't as hungry as I thought I was, but it showed me what my real passion was. Mm. And it, my passion wasn't being a successful writer. It was just writing, you know? So um, I got all my rejections and I went back to the drawing board and, Try to figure out. Okay, I'm going to be successful at this point. I'm going to like I'm missing something. I need to figure it out. Um, and then doing all that extra um, practice, it really reinvigorated my love of writing. You know. Mm. Um, and then of course that was around the time when um, it do, it's not when self publishing started, of course, but um, when I first started writing, that's when the um, the model of being a writer was. You got to get a literary agent. You got to get published in, you know, a publishing house or something. And then as time went along, I started seeing more and more people going through Amazon, publishing their own books. I'm like, well, I can do that. And so I did that. Um, so it gave me that immediate satisfaction of, okay, well, technically I achieved my dream of being a published writer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you I did. Got that out of the way. Now I can just enjoy writing, you know. Um, you've, you've published more than I have. Yeah. <laughs> It's so easy nowadays, too. Um, and I guess that's a good and bad thing because there's a ton of shit out there. Yeah, that that's kind of sums up so much of just where we are right now with media of all sorts. It's great yeah. because y- anything you want is out there. The bad news is it's all out there. And mm-hmm. you don't have the establishments to kind of dictate what's worth listening to mm-hmm. or paying attention to. But at the same time, you don't want the establishments having too much power to where there's there's uh, there's just too much of a formula to follow to get on their radar. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when you're talking about the self-publishing thing, that's one thing I've thought about recently is, well, if you're going, if you still have the dream of being published, it's like, would you even go traditional publishing anymore because you have to market yourself still. Yeah. They want to know what kind of audience you bring. And so I look at that and I go, well, if if I were going to try to be published, I might as well just do it myself because if it's all dependent on me and my network or lack thereof, it's like, I might as well just take the easier route to failure than trying the, the traditional publishing house. And then always, like, if you could, you could do both. Go the publishing route yourself, you know, self-publishing, I mean, and then prove that you have an audience and a following and an idea of who you are as a writer mm. to a publishing house later on, you know? So there's a, pun, a ton of different options. Yeah. Nowadays. So that's what music feel good about writing, too. Like, <clears throat> I feel that if I so chose to, I don't really need to do it anymore. I have a good job. Like I said, I'm happy with what I'm doing. And I feel like if I really decided to, you know, sit down and get this thing going, I have enough experience now as a writer and I have enough knowledge about the industry now that I can still make it happen. 
It's yeah. just the idea of being a young, hot writer, early 20s, you know, busting down the gates and, you know, getting noticed by everybody is no longer a, an option. But right. <laughs> it might be the old, grizzled veteran writer now. Yeah, I mean, you might have more to actually write about now than you would have in your early 20s. That's true. You have yeah. perspective. And that, that's something I wonder about, too. Like, why do we do that? Uh, why, why do we fall in love with the idea of like the young genius? And I get it. Like I get how in certain fields you can have a young genius. And I know the literary world's had its fair share, but at the same time, it's like good. I guess the writing I like, I do feel that it does touch on something kind of deeper than just the plot of the story. And I kind of, I'm kind of like what 22 year old, has anything worth listening to in that regard. Yeah. There aren't many of them. I think there's a couple of things. One is that let's just say you were 22 and you wrote something that became a mega hit, right? I think the idea is you want to be, enjoy that success when you're young. Yeah. You, know, you want to enjoy the riches while you're young and you're still, you know, youthful and vibrant, you know, you want to enjoy that now. Um, so that's one aspect of it. And then the other one is just that, what if I suddenly become, what if I finally write that big novel when I'm 60? Well, then, like, I only have so much time now to, like, expand on that. Not just enjoy the, the riches of it, but just where do I build from here? Is that fear for me, anyway, that's, that says, shit, I got to utilize my time while I have it, and I want to maximize it as, as much as I can. So I want to do it as early as possible. That was my thinking in the beginning anyway. Right. You know. But. Yeah, and, that, and that's where I get where you're coming from about that. But when you get you get to be too old, you think, and you're like, okay, well, what can I really do with this? How do I go forward? But I think I've told you before about that's why Hubert Selby Jr. is one of my favorite inspirations, just because I forget how old he was, but you know, he he had almost died. He almost died so many times, just had he was born with so many health problems and he said he was in his, he was in the hospital and he's like, I'm going to die one day and I want to do something special. And he's like, well, what can I do? Well, I got through seventh grade. So I know the alphabet I'm going to write. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's first of all, it shows you, you don't need much. Um, you know, like I, that the education can't necessarily, give you the empathy or the observation skills to write something worth paying attention to, which I think is something that comes with age for most people. Um, I think a lot of 22 year olds aren't open to that. Um, but then I think we talked about too, about, uh, you know, Donald Ray Pollock. I think it's his name, the author of devil all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's, he worked at a factory with his dad. And his dad retired. His dad got the watch and all that. And he he looked at his dad. He's like, "That's it. That's all my dad's gonna get. I'm gonna do something." And so he became a writer later in life. Mm -hmm. Like, pretty awesome to hear those kinds of stories. And you know, I've heard the point recently that most successful startups are founded by people uh, closer to middle age. You know, like. 40s and 50s stuff like that uh as opposed to the mark zuckerbergs of the world yeah. and so i have a feeling there probably are it's probably the same case with writers too they're probably they probably tend to be older than what we imagine yeah. and compare ourselves to yeah it's not often that we think about you know we find a book that we love by an author and it may even be the first one that we that they published but we don't ever get to see all the trash, maybe not even trash, but all the stuff they created before to get that. Yeah. You know? Um, so it's the super, super ultra rare person who sits down and hits it their first try, you know? So that gives me some comfort knowing that I put in a lot of work, a lot of miles in trying to get to where I am as a writer, you know? Um, not where I am is successful wise, but where I am uh, experienced and, uh, right, tech-wise, you know, and have uh, so the confidence in your abilities. I feel like I'm on the right path there. Yeah, one thing I struggle with too is um, 
so you know i'm i'm not going to push myself to try to get traditionally published um mm -hmm. that's just the reality of the situation unless i just have a crazy wave of sustained inspiration that just says okay i got the energy for this all of a sudden but i had a story recently I can't remember if I shared it with you or not. Oh, I think it was. I think it was that that last vignette. And I was just curious. Yeah. I was like, you know, I wonder if I could get that published on some site. But then I don't read those sites. <laughs> so I I don't I don't read many random fiction authors on the internet. I'll read blogs all day from people, but I don't know why. Something about fiction, I don't it seems that's something where I do kind of seek the traditional, um, what's the word path, the traditional method. Like I do prefer writers who have been published by, I guess, traditional publishing and have probably had editors. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, So I told you before that I'm thinking about being a writing coach. Mm -hmm. And my main concern is how do I convince someone that I know what I'm talking about when I don't really have tangible evidence to prove mm -hmm. so? Mm -hmm. You know, I can, if you talk to me, I can prove you that I know what I'm talking about. But if you just go on my website and say, you know, where's his books? <laughs> I, that's my, that's my biggest like mental obstacle, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing with just picking a book, like you said. There's something that's it's a stigma, I think. It I don't know if it was heavier earlier when it first became a thing when it comes to self-publishing, or if it's carrying over now, or more widely accepted now, but I was an editor poor, you know, and a lot of the books I've read sometimes bring me their book after they already published on Amazon. Mm. I mean, why are you editing it? Or why do you want to get edited now? And sometimes they got bad reviews. Sometimes they didn't know the process and just were eager to get it out there or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, people don't even like, people just get their stuff on Amazon and boom, that's it. They're looking to get their, their money, you know? But right. one of my favorite things is to go on Amazon and find those shitty books. <laughs> and I'd say shitty, not because of the topics, but like the, the lack of care. Yeah like effort when it comes to like putting your best foot forward as a writer you know there's typos in the back page part you know you go into a, a book on amazon and they have the cover and then the next page is the back back splash or whatever and then maybe they have an extra like page in the body that they can share or whatever right and you have typos and stuff in there and like man you really didn't give a shit like <laughs> and that tells you that tells you like if they got that part wrong then imagine what's in the book yeah, you know. I feel like a lot of that comes through with ego of people thinking because because writing is so easy. I mean, all you do is throw a bunch of words together. <laughs> you know, it's so easy. Uh, I see it. I see it on Reddit with people complaining about uh, about not being taken seriously as copywriters. They feel like people are like oh you, just, you know it's just writing. Everyone does it. You know, everyone can write. It's like everyone puts words together and everybody can write. It's a big difference. Mm -hmm. So. But if you haven't been part of a writing group, as we discussed last time, you're not used to getting that feedback and kind of being brought down a peg. And then there also are just people who don't, some of them I think don't care about the quality of their work. And I think some are not aware of the lack of quality of their work. Um, Cause like when I came from the oil and gas world, when I went out to Midland, <clears throat> a big reason my career took off was because I had to review this one guy's project. And the first thing I did, I couldn't keep up with it. I couldn't follow it. So the first thing I did was go through and edit it grammar wise, just so I could even try to follow what he was saying. And then I did a flow chart and all that kind of stuff, the kind of the quality, quality check, quality control kind of stuff. And I was amazed at how many people just didn't take that initiative just to take the pride in like looking at the formatting, the presentation, and just like, what is that? What does it make you feel just when you see 
the 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 work, not even reading it, you know, not even looking for typos and stuff, just the formatting of it. Can you? Because to me, it's like if stuff if stuff isn't well organized, it kind of makes me uncomfortable. Like I mm. feel because I'm I, I don't I guess it's not fluid, and so I'm looking around, and, and so if the format is chaotic, I can't enjoy the work, you know. And I guess you look at with your experience with technical writing and everything, that's a big part of it is that, that user experience part, you know, yeah. or user experience, user interface. I think a lot of people just aren't uh, aware of or empathetic toward wherever the right term is perceptive of. Yeah. I do also want to say that a lot of people go to self publishing because it's cheaper. Yeah. And editing services are not cheap. Good ones anyway. Right. So I think a lot of people cut corners to try and save some money on that, um, which can come back and bite them in the end. Um, yeah, you have to be lucky to know someone who can do it for cheap or free for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Definitely. That's a good point, though. That's something to, to think about because I, I have been thinking more about publishing something, not fiction probably, just or like I was telling you recently – about the uh, the corporate red flags book, I was kind of messing around with, mm -hmm. and I was thinking if I were ever able to get that complete, that might be something fun to try to self publish because I wouldn't expect it to make any money. So it'd be fun to have to have something to truly learn from, you know, some something where it's like I did put time in this, I did at least invest my time. And here's the effort I put forward and what can I learn from it? So I have been thinking about how can I self-publish something to fail so that I can learn. I, again, think that that idea, like you're sitting on a really good idea. Like, I think that can be a really big seller, your idea. I don't want to talk too much about it on the podcast, but <laughs> um, I think you're really onto something there. So just want to put that out there. Thanks. I might have to re-examine it then. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun book. Like, I remember um, my wife's sister, when they had their baby, they had this book. I don't remember what it was called, but it was like a baby's user manual. And it was like a technical <laughs> writing copy. It was like a technical writing book about having a baby. But they wrote it like, you know, so you bought a new blender, you know. And it was <laughs> fucking hilarious. But it was, it was mixing like real knowledge with like a really fun way of like dispensing it. Like, um, they have like a diagram of the baby, and it was like, insert food here, not through here. <laughs> That's awesome. It was a, it's a fantastic idea for a book, and I think yours can be on that same, uh, that same area. I think, yeah, my you're, you're making me think of my brother in law got me a book one time. It was, uh, How to Teach Your Cat About Gun Safety, <laughs> and it, it was great because it was, it felt like the the kooky right winger who's in the the shelter you know the mm. fallout shelter or what that's what it, the or the doomsday prepper that's what it felt like looking through it i need i should go through and read the whole thing it was really funny so yeah maybe there is a, a good market good market for that yeah so okay so we're touching on it already but now that we know that being the hot young writer is not really an option anymore, <laughs> what fulfills you as a writer right now? Because I know you're going through a bit of a funk. I know you're working, you got work on kind of going through a bit of a funk. So one, what fulfills you as a writer when you are writing? And two, what keeps you trying to get out of that funk when you could easily just give up and find something else to do? Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm actually not in a funk. You're not? It's, well, I mean... Well, no, because I mean, I'm writing a lot at work. You know, I'm, write, okay, I'm yeah. writing. I'm writing a lot of blog posts. I mean, I'm not. I'm having a hard time coming up with much fiction. But that's what's. Yeah, that's what I meant. I think that's what's great about it, though, is with what we talked about about just my my revelation of realizing there are so many ways to write. Because before I would be like, okay, so if I was doing some some other kind of writing. I'd be like, well, this isn't fiction writing. Therefore, I'm not really doing what I want to do. But now I'm happy to be writing 
mm. you know, because it's all, it's practice. I mean, cause it's for the most part, writing is storytelling, right? It, it's to me, there's a, there's an element of storytelling usually, and usually an element of persuasion. That's how I look at what I tend to write. So I see it all as practice. So actually I'm really fulfilled right now as far as writing goes mm -hmm. overall, just, I, I wish I could do something more fiction, but I'm so happy with where it's going. And I think, um, it's, it's funny you ask that about what fulfills me right now because I think the evolution of my writing is going parallel with my evolution as a person. And I know that sounds really hippy dippy, but what I mean is just like what I was telling you about the trying to find a book that I could fail with on self publishing. I, I really meant fail. You know, I, I wasn't trying to be self deprecating because I'm trying not to be such a perfectionist and writing is if you're a perfectionist, it's like you're probably, you're most likely a perfectionist about your writing, especially. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to be less precious about those things. And I'm trying to be okay with failing. And I'm trying, I'm expecting it not to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm like, okay, I failed. I get over it quicker and I move on to the next thing. And I'm kind of doing that with my writing too. Um, and part of that is I used to think, kind of like what you're talking about with the people you've seen self-publish. I used to, I used to write a first draft and be like, all right, yeah, it's good. Yeah. You know, why, why would I, why would I re-examine that? And you hear people say, oh, you got to edit. It's like, no, I don't have to, maybe you do. And so I'm, I'm, I'm embracing that and I'm loving it. And so I, I, I write something, I put it down and I come back later. And that's one thing I've been enjoying at work, trying to do web copy. You know, you kind of vomit out stuff, and you, you got the point, but you're like, man, this is way too many words, way too many. And so you come back the next day and you look and you, you hit backspace a few times, you change one word here or there. And you're like, oh man, that is, that is so much better than what I had. And so getting to just practice that and then also being fulfilled from writing and then also being like, oh, I can have a future in this. It's pretty exciting. So what about you? As you're talking, I was thinking, it's interesting that you get fulfilled by the act of writing anything. And I was like, why don't I feel that way? And I think it's because I've been writing as a career since, I don't know, like 2012 or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, no, earlier than that, like 2008. Um, so I was a copywriter before, and then I was a training specialist, and now I do training content development. So I write bib everything. So I've been for work for a long time, uh -huh. and now I'm at the point where it's separated now. Like I can write stuff at work and not really. Um, I don't want to say it doesn't fulfill me or it doesn't really interest me, but it's still not not the same as writing a a good story, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think my fulfillment comes from, well, I think it's multi-pronged. I love that the moment where you, you have this idea in your head, right? And mm -hmm. it's, you eat in your mind. And when you finally get it out of your head and onto paper, and it's generally the same image that you had in your head, that's a great feeling. Yeah. Like when you nailed it, sometimes you write something that's like, the last story I sent you, um, I don't remember the what single. it was. Hmm? the sinkhole yeah the sinkhole i was like <laughs> i didn't like it that much because it didn't really look like what i was thinking in my head mm. um and that's pretty frustrating but so beyond the idea of like head i love the idea of like getting a technique down too yeah um, like you already know i've been wanting to venture into horror writing and then Maybe a little bit of comedy, but mainly horror. And God, it's such a different beast. Like it's it's still writing. Still have a lot of like universal techniques. But there's some nuances to like horror writing, and I'm sure other genres too, that you just need to like pick up at some point and incorporate in your writing. And 
I love the idea of like exploring and figuring out what those nuances are. Um, just asking yourself questions like, "What makes something scary?" Which is a pretty question too. Right. Right. Um, but then answering that question for yourself, and then saying, trying to figure out ways to to capture that essence. I love that. Yeah, and the the philosophical parts of writing are what I enjoy the most because you have to have that direction and you know you don't know if it's right yeah. um, because you and I could talk about something and we could agree and someone else can come along and go no I, I, I think you missed the mark on everything and that's something that I I struggle with at work right now is I don't know who to listen to with feedback on the website and stuff like that because I don't really know, like no one in the office is our target audience. So how much do you listen? And I guess this plays back into our conversation last week about, you know, getting feedback and stuff. But I do love genuinely having those conversations. And I think being part of our writing group has helped with that because mm -hmm. it's, it is a little bit different though when you're talking about copywriting, technical writing, or business, it's like, I, I will argue my points on that. You know, I will argue why I think it's right. Like, for instance, I can't remember if we talked about this before, but like, I, I'm, I've been surprised at how many times I've had to defend starting a sentence with a conjunction. Hmm. And I'm just like, I get where you're coming from, that that's the way you were taught as a kid, as the way I was taught as a kid. But that's so outdated, especially when you're talking about copywriting, blog writing, you know, less formal writing. Mm -hmm. And I've been really surprised at how often, how many times I've had to defend that. But I'm like, but I will dig my heels in on that. I will say, if this is, if we want to kind of make a style guide where we don't do this, fine. Mm -hmm. But if you want to say it's wrong, I will fight you to death on that. <laughs> Yeah. People approach writing as very static. Like we we learn in elementary school or middle school that there's certain rules and then we carry yeah. that over into our adulthood. And you know, I think those rules are set um one because language evolves, of course. Right. Um, and two because it's easier to remember and learn things when there's a rule associated with it, mm -hmm. especially as a kid. And just don't ever do it. Don't ever break it, you know? Yeah. And then the idea is you get into higher education and then they say, okay, those rules that we learned as a kid, we can break those now. Here's why. Um, and then some people don't hit that, that point um, where they understand, explore reasons and ways you can break certain rules. So that's when you get into, um, as a writer, someone who doesn't really have a lot of experience with it, they go in there saying, you're not supposed to say, use adverbs. I mean, you're not supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Like, Don't in a sense or a preposition. Right. So yeah, make it sound really foreign. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can do whatever you want, but if someone says your sentence sounds weird or feels weird, then that's a lot stronger than you just saying, you're not supposed to use an adverb or, or a preposition or whatever. Yeah, if you say, if you can argue, I don't think it's hitting the point that you think it is, here's why. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, now we're talking. But funny, too, you're talking about the whole school thing. That's one thing I've been realizing, kind of, in my opinion, one of the tragedies of writing education is how much of being a good writer means you need to forget what school taught you. Because they don't teach you how to be they don't teach you how to write in the real world. Typically they teach you how to write in the classroom. And so they teach you, you know, you probably heard the joke about the, the formula for an essay, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, tell them what you told them. It's like, mm -hmm. no, in the real world, you've got to tell them and then you got to tell them why they care and you have to do it quickly. And it's so funny to me that a lot of times school teaches you to have minimum word counts. It's like you really should be teaching maximum word counts and make it give it make it an impossible maximum word count. You know, Ooh. like yeah. I think I think it's be better be better practice to give really complicated topics and be like, okay, you have a hundred words to make a convincing case on this. 
because you probably can't do it, but you will go for your hardest hitting points first to try to make the point. But school teaches you, you have all this time to, and they teach you that, you know, you can just put fluff in here because the teacher has to read it, but people in the real world don't have to read your writing. That's I true. I, 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 that's been one of the biggest things I've realized in the last year or so. I'm just like, that's such a, a tragedy of how writing is taught. Yeah. I've, I'm so far removed from school that I'm really curious to see how um, writing is taught nowadays. Oh, God, I don't even want to know these days. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty curious. But I also kind of don't want to see. <laughs> but it's, okay, well, funny you go that route. You say, talking about how writing is taught these days. Because one thing I struggle with as I get older, especially, as you get older, you know, there are certain changes that happen, right? I think you just get older. Uh, I'm sure it's purely biological stuff. It's probably a purely biological explanation for why you get set in your ways. Um, but also there is the aspect of just things change around you. Your comforts have gone. And that's something that I've been thinking about kind of like when, when I gave the little prompt at the beginning saying like, okay, you can't make a lot of money as a traditionally published author more than likely. You can't, uh, you know, it's hard to make it as a journalist and all that stuff. But I still think there are great ways to make a living as a writer. Mm -hmm. I mean, fiction podcasts are really popular and mm -hmm. those have to be written. Even nonfiction podcasts have to be written. Um, YouTube, people who make YouTube videos, they write scripts beforehand. So mm -hmm. writing is a skill on that. And that's something I've been thinking about. So again, when you hear people say stuff like, when well, no one reads novels anymore, no one reads the epistolary novel. It's like, yeah, no one does. So I don't know what to say about it. Uh, things change, you know that. Move with the times in some way. I think, I think it's kind of it's egotistical or narcissistic, I guess, to expect the world to stay static in a way that makes you comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's unrealistic to, to complain about that. And so that's something I've been trying to challenge myself on too, with that kind of stuff where naturally I do complain. I am a complainer, but I think everyone you know, is going to complain at some point, but I'm also trying to remind myself, Hey, it, it is what it is. You just got to move on because you can sit around and complain and starve to death. Or you can adapt and find a niche for yourself. Right. Which one's better? <laughs> I would say I don't know. I don't have my pulse on the market or anything like that. I'm nowhere close. But I do know that I do. And I am aware that people are shifting when it comes to what their interests are and how we absorb media, mm -hmm. um, shorten attention span, all that stuff. And, you know, I love the short story format. And I'm hoping and thinking that it's swinging my way with that in that something that's more intriguing is a short story that you can pick up and put down when you're ready instead of a longer book or a longer novel. Mm -hmm. um, I love the short story medium and um, I mean, shit, if the market swings that way, I'm thinking I'm in good company because um, you know, you obviously do really good stories too. And um I don't know, less commitment for both the writing writer and the reader is win-win, really. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem like it does seem like the short story though has kind of fallen the back burner mm -hmm. more more than the novel, even. You know, the novel is not what it once was, but I feel like I don't know, I feel like people don't read books as often anymore, but they definitely don't read short story collections. Yeah. You know, if I read a collection, I'll often like look in the beginning and it'll list out the areas where each individual story has been published before. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, damn, how do, what are even these magazines? And like Stephen King often would publish stories in Playboy. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. Like, <laughs> I don't even know they had a story thing in, in Playboy, but um, it just, it really throws me off because my idea is what you just said, like no one's reading short stories anymore. And I'm Stephen King is a, not the only example There's plenty of people who write short stories, but it's the same situation. Like 
they're getting published in all kinds of different magazines and stuff and winning awards for short stories instead of novels. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there is a whole other world out there that I'm just not aware of. Um, and I want to get into it, but I also feel like I want to like have a lot to sit on before I get in there. Um, you know, a lot of different stories to choose from when I get into that area rather than just a couple. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a whole different world out there. Yeah. And I think one thing too, that's helping me is just trying to get to the root of why do I write? And it's, it's to communicate, to express, um, to understand. And I'm like, I don't have to write fiction to do that. I don't Mm -hmm. have to write a short story. Um, so that's been more fulfilling having that more liberal definition of what writing is for me has really helped because mm-hmm. yeah, the, 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 the old literary establishment doesn't exist anymore. And I think we would be miserable if we just kept trying to chase that. Right. You know, a lot of people, especially at work who aren't writers, often don't understand how important writing is until they either meet a writer or asked to do something mm. like, like create a PowerPoint that the whole company is going to see or something, you know? Yeah. Um, that's when I get the, like, <laughs> oh, man, I didn't realize how in-depth this was or this is how <laughs> it looks. But, yeah, no shit. Yeah. Well, it's it's so unfair, too, though, because, like, sometimes – the shorter it is, the more effective it is, right? So mm-hmm. if you have five words on a tagline, I'm like, oh, that's great. They're like, well, that was easy. It's only five words. It's like, yeah, but I had to write 200 to get there. <laughs> you know, you, you don't understand how hard that was to find those right words. And so that's when I, if you ever just, you're looking for like contract writing jobs and like, well, we pay, you know, whatever it is, five cents a word or whatever. And you're like, well, you know, what I put on the page is not all the effort that goes into it. Mm-hmm. So that's really unfortunate. It's just, it's, it's really hard to, to gauge or not gauge how I say it, it, it to properly quantify, I guess, the value of good writing. Right. You can't put a dollar or, or pennies per word uh, value on it. Well, it's one of those things where it doesn't really get noticed mm-hmm. that often. In my job, anyway, um, it, I'm lucky that it matches my personality, but it's not a spotlight-driven job. When I first got into this industry with technical writing um, and business writing, one of my bosses said that, um, I can't remember how it came up, but basically he told me that whatever you write is not going to have your name on it. It's going to have the company mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, So there's no, like, hey, Kevin wrote that. And it's also one of those things where if you're doing a good job at it, you no one really notices. But if you do a bad job at it, then everyone likes this <laughs> red. Um, so, but luckily that match, matches my personality where I don't like spotlight and I don't like uh, attention really. Yeah. So it works out in my favor. But You don't think you like attention though of getting compliments for good writing? Okay, let me separate that. Um, again, I separate like work writing from my fiction writing. Okay. So work writing, I don't care. If you don't say anything about it, then that means I did a good job. Because um, I'm not trying to write my best. Um, I don't want to say best, but there's talents when it comes to business and technical writing that is separate from talents when it comes to fiction writing. You know, if you read a good line in a fiction story, you you can often be like, you put the book down, like, damn, that was good. Mm-hmm. But just like you were describing with technical writing, where the best option is often like the most efficient, fewest words possible in a PowerPoint or a job aid or something, you know. Um, so if you nail down what the business unit wanted, exactly how they wanted it to say, but then you clean it up and made it sound a lot better. No one's going to notice that. They're going to see the images, maybe, or they're going to get the message of the, the job being built. Hey, got it. New regulation. Understand it. Good job. You know, 
Um, so not a lot of accolades in that. But yeah, with fiction writing, yeah, of course I want to be recognized for a particularly good line or a good story. Um, that's something I also have to come to terms with. Um, who am I writing for when I write a story? Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, it was, I want to have you react to the story the way I want you to react to it. And if you come away in, in feedback sessions or whatever, tell me, um, damn, I love character A, but character B came in and it made me hate character A. I'm like, yes, nailed it. That's what I wanted you to do. <laughs> you know, and it wasn't until recently, you know, the whole story with that, that it's more fulfilling to have someone come up with their own interpretations of it, you know? You know, it's my job to do a good job of writing it and explaining all my characters in the, the best of my ability and make it clear. But it's super fulfilling to write something and then to just sort of let it go out into the ether and then walk. Um, and that's where I get the for my fiction writing. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is one of my favorite parts of writing in general, whether it's fiction or like my blog post or something, because those types of writing do tend to be personal for me in some way. There's usually something that I'm either either expressing personal that I'm expressing or something that I'm trying to figure out. And so when someone does get it, it's strangely one of the ways I feel the most accepted. Mm. It's like, you could say people could pay me all the compliments they want, but they're like, Oh man, I really love that story. Here's why. And it's exactly what you were aiming for. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, you get me, <laughs> you get me in this moment. So what do you think is what resonates more for you? What you just described, you write something and someone says what you were thinking or you write something and someone has their own interpretation on it, which sounds just as valid as mm -hmm. what you were thinking. What, what resonates more towards for you? I mean, I guess for me, it's when people say exactly what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. But I do also appreciate when people have a different perspective on that because that's one thing I, I like about obscure song lyrics is when people are like, well, I think this song's about this. and But then I can put my experience in it and say, well, this is what it makes me think of. Mm -hmm. And we can still connect through that. You still feel some kind of connection because because the words mean something to you you still feel a connection even if you disagree about what the words mean. Mm -hmm. So I guess, again, for me, selfishly, I like it when people say what I want them to say, but I also appreciate that they would just connect and enjoy anything, even if it's not the exact reaction I want. You know, the, the way I see it is um, I feel the same way you do, um, or at least I did for a long time. Um, but I've come to think about it like this. You know those 3D puzzles? Or not puzzles, mm -hmm. but like eye mm -hmm. things? You stare yeah. at it for a while and then like a penguin comes out or whatever? Yeah. Um, to see that penguin, you have to sit in a certain way. You have to have your eyes a certain way. Yes. It comes out to you, you know? Right. And that's great. And when it works out, it's, it's awesome. But it's one of those things where if, like, if you turn your head to the side a little bit, you're not going to get it. And for me, anyway, when I wrote that way with that in mind, like you have to see in character A what I want you to see. That means I had to write it in a certain way um, mm -hmm. to direct you into that position to see what I want you to see in character A. And I've written like that for years. So it gave me techniques along the way and the ability to control the word and um, emotions and stuff like that. So that's great. But when I started writing the other way, where it's like, present my characters the way I want them to, but then um, I guess what I'm trying to say is when a person comes to me and says something I didn't think about with character A, it makes character A feel a lot more three-dimensional mm. in that like I saw character A in one way. You came at a different angle and saw them another way. And as long as it's not totally off base, like they totally misread the story. <laughs> um that makes me feel like I really created something like as close to three dimensional as possible. 
Yeah. And the other way, it makes it feel sort of like two or 2.5 dimensions. Um, that's kind of what I've been kind of changing my mindset about, really. Um, but again, it's, it's a really good feeling when someone says exactly what I, I put pen to paper thinking about, you know. Um, that's still a really good feeling, too. Well, one thing I was thinking of when you were saying that um, is uh, I'm trying to how to say this. So you and I have talked about why we like minimalist writing is because it doesn't really tell you what to think. It's more like you're observing a scene and you can kind of fill in some of your own blanks. Yeah. And so it's kind of like obscure song lyrics. Oh, it's definitely where, like it. So that's what I, I like about it. And then what's great about it as the writer is, you know, you and I can sit here, we can write our stories and we could explain beat for beat by beat what everything meant to, to us, but we can be more inclusive by allowing people to fill in their own blanks mm -hmm. because and it's, it's, it's weird and kind of contradictory because it's like, you can't please everyone. You can't, right for everyone but i feel like at the same time if you can be true to yourself but make it as open to as many people as possible that's a win-win mm -hmm. and that's what's great about um writing groups where you have feedback for each other mm -hmm. um just getting a different perspective and, yeah and, oh sorry go ahead no, no, i was gonna say and if someone comes out and has a different um, perspective about something you've written, um, that can tell you a lot about your own writing that you may not even realized. Yeah. Yeah. And it can teach you to just be open to that, to, to think of the possibilities. And that again, plays into business writing too, because you write, mm -hmm. you know, you write this thing, you, you, I can't think of an example, but you know we've seen it where someone wrote something and you're just like, man, that was a bunch of old white dudes. They should have had a millennial in there who would have told them how that could be perverted. <laughs> and so I wish I could think of an example recently where I, I saw something like that and it was like, yeah, you guys need a young person. You guys need an intern in that writing room who would have told you. Um, so it, it just makes you you kind of think about that stuff and just say, well, if my fiction can be kind of taken in a different way, so can this, you know, marketing copy, this, this technical writing stuff, whatever. 